online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome to Mimi Meets, and this is Mimi Harker, and as with every week, I like to bring you some extraordinary people that I've come across in my life, and today, as ever, is no exception. Except for one little fact. Now, I've got four guests in my studio today. Three of my guests are three amazing young men who I heard speaking at an event in London. And I was so blown away by their stories and I was so moved by what they had to say that I just had to invite them in today to come and share their stories with you. And they all have been going to um, a group that you know about well. It's a charity. It's a local charity whose chief exec is Colin McGregor-Patterson. Welcome back, Colin. Hello, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so this is fourth time for you here. This is fourth time, but, uh, <laughs> but really today's around our, our, our ex-service users. So Indeed. It's, uh, it's really good that uh, you, you can have them on. Thank Indeed. You. And it's brilliant that you're here as well to support and sort of just to explain some of the things that you do in conjunction with some real some real life stories, really. So, gentlemen, welcome to the studios at Wickham Sound. It's lovely to have you all here. So, with me in the studio today, I have Simon Sarin. Hi there. Hello. And Ben Shrimpton. Hi there. Hello, Ben. And Lewis Baker. Hello. Lovely to have you all here. Your stories were so moving. You were amazing standing up in front of all those people and telling people what you'd been through. And I just thought it would be a wonderful way to sort of just literally showcase what Oasis can do for somebody if you need them and if you go to them for help. So, Simon, I don't know if you want to start with your story. Um, yeah, sure. Um, well, I went to... Well, I first went to Oasis about, I think, it must be... I'm Yeah, yeah, seven years sober on May the 5th. So I went there... Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I went there because uh, my life had gone right down into the pits and... Uh, uh, I could want it. I knew that I got got a problem a long time ago, but I kept smashing my head around, kept like kind of going in trying to stop, but I couldn't stop on my own. And um, yeah, it got to to the stage where I kept thinking I was hitting rock bottom every time, and every time I hit rock bottom, I seemed to think I'd hit rock bottom. But then next time it gets slightly worse, then slightly worse, and slightly worse. So yeah, it got to the stage where I was been admitted to hospital quite a few times with you know like for certain reasons due to what I was doing and the last time I went in there I was kind of pointed in the direction of Oasis they kind of recommended said look you know you've told us what's going on with your life we could see you know like as I've got tubes hanging in you know out of my arms and things like that um, they said to me you know if you want to do something about it go down you know gave me a dress and so yeah, that day I kind of decided that was it, I'd had enough. And so I went down, I spoke to him, I kind of, they kind of put me on a course of, you know, to kind of detox and, you know, like I had some certain kind of medication, things like that. And then from there, it was a case of, you know, like support and counselling, which at that time I really did need. I really needed someone or, you know, some people to feel like, you know, they knew that I was going through. And um, to actually feel, you know, like cared for and, you know, like like having a big, you know, when you're younger, someone wrapping a big Absolutely. duvet around you and things Absolutely. like that. And, you know, not judging you for what you've done. So, well, which, which is really important, isn't it? Very because important. Because if you want, if you've made that 
moved, you've made that connection, you've said, I want to do something about this, and you go and get that help, and the last thing you need is people judging you. Yeah, and it's, 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 yeah, and it's what I find sometimes when, you know, you'd go to the GP or something like that, and they didn't understand, so they'd have a look of, you know, kind of condens- you know, condescending look, you know, towards you, and, you know, why don't you just, like, stop drinking mm. or stop doing what you're doing, mm. and it's like, it's not as easy as that, and, you know, there's, you know, unless uh, if you don't know what's going on with your life and you know what's going on in your head, it's very difficult unless someone kind of says, look, well, you, maybe this might be wrong with yeah. you or maybe this might be, you know, why don't you try doing this? And so when I got down to Oasis Centre, it's exactly what I needed. You know, I saw a counsellor on a, you know, first initially they assessed me to see what was wrong and things like that. And, and then from there it was like, I think I went in, you know, it, nearly every day for the first kind of couple right. of weeks which so are really important it was you know I needed that because um you know I was on you know basically I was getting up every morning just like all I would do is start drinking mm. and um so I needed something to occupy my mind I needed something you know advice I needed help you know so I needed and that that was great because for those intent you know it kept me occupied for those two weeks and then my target was to keep clean for a month and so from the intense then it went to like two days a week then I would go less and less but over the case of about three months and it was great they got me to do art therapy and um I had acupuncture um all sorts of I things. love acupuncture yes it's, it's really <laughs> relaxing it's wonderful uh, especially when you've got all the dolphin music going on in the background <laughs> and the pan flight poop oh, pan pipe moves or whatever yeah, it lovely. is lovely yeah lovely <laughs> You're sitting there falling asleep it was great I think they stuck them in your earlobes right. which um something there's you know like suppresses uh, addictive per- or, you know supposedly I don't know but yes. you know I've got an earring because I, I love uh, eating and that's an addiction as well actually yeah um, because you you eat for all sorts of reasons I mean you're bored if you're unhappy if you're you know miserable it's an emotional satisfaction isn't it to, yeah it's comfort yeah. eat something and it tastes good and but the minute it's gone you're craving something else again so I've got this little earring that you wear and it's and literally it's, a, it's an acupuncture pressure point on, on the earlobe yeah and it stops you wanting to eat as you can see I'm not wearing those so I've got over it <laughs> <laughs> so Colin how does it make you feel listening to Simon talking yeah, no, to us I think us? it's great I mean Simon has done really well in his recovery is uh, I mean he's actually now a sort of world class photographer so he's done really well in his career I know you're amazing I think um, you know the, the actual event at the Speaker's House at House of Parliament was, was really successful and the feedback we had from, from these three guys speaking was yes. was really good It was oh you were amazing it was you know I couldn't have done anything better they you know telling you stories and kind of really um, getting the hearts and minds of, of all our guests there was, yes. was you know the feedback I had was fantastic so, yes. so I think you know Simon's done really well and I'm, I'm really proud of all these guys who have done really well and that's really what you know Oasis is, is about it's about supporting people to move on in their lives successfully and uh, you know really make a difference yes and um, to overcome those addictions and those um, substance abuses and what, you know whatever it is they've come to see you about yeah we still using provide the, different the, uh, therapies. The, the wide range of services I won't go on too much about those because we want to hear from the lads indeed but, uh, well I was just um, interested here that you were talking about art therapy yeah well, it, it was great because when I saw the therapist, I, I was, um, it was something I did when I was younger. Um, I did As in painting? Painting, yeah. So I still do painting, but I hadn't done it for long. So I, I, when I was younger, I did the yeah, art foundation. I was going to do a fine art course, but I didn't. Um, in the end, I went and did a music industry management up in, in Wickham. Um, but it was something, you know, when I was younger, I was quite... 
So that kind of triggered because the therapist said to me, when you give up, you know, like doing, you know, drink, drugs, whatever it is, you know, you're like you were saying, you know, the hands. Yes. You, yes. you don't know what to do don't with them. Don't know what to do with them. So like, you know, because you've always got a fag or a, yeah, you know, like absolutely. a pint or something. Yeah. And yeah. So they said, you know, like, you know, you, you were interested in pain because I, when I was there, I was like, I like these paintings. And they told me about it. And they said, well, what are you doing? At the time, you can go down the works by, a, you know, a canvas for a pound, you know, a couple of acrylic paints. So I just started painting. And I literally would paint day after day for wow. the first three months. I would go back after doing it. I was painting, you know, a lot of abstracts and things like that, which kept me occupied. And then that kind of got me thinking, and like I said to these guys, I by the time I had literally, uh, you know, got back I'd lost everything mm. spent my money on it you know I was buying I sold my car and spent like £10,000 in like about two weeks Gosh. and got you know yeah. it's got to stage lost my flat everything so I ended up at my parents and the only thing I had left was the camera like so that kind of the art kind of thing led on to kind of things like, like that and I didn't know what to do I, you know like so it got to the stage where these guys were great it got me to the point where I was confident enough to, uh, you know, start going out again. And my kind of philosophy was that if I want to live a life where I'm, you know, clean and sober, I want to. I don't want to hide away. I don't want to kind of do. I you wanna... don't hide away, believe you me. <laughs> you are. You, I mean, you look like a rock star yourself, you know, with your glasses and your hair and you know the way you dress. And you are. You come over as supremely confident. I mean, you you owned that room. I mean, even before we knew who you were and what you were doing, because you were doing the official photography for the evening, and all the photographs <coughs> around the room that evening were all photographs that you've taken. Um, of some amazing people. How did that come um, about? I just um, need to get the, 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 the... They are on the Oasis Partnership website. There's a couple of slides, um, so you'll see all the photos that were exhibited. Um, but uh, Sorry, Simon, interrupting. No, carry just, on. Just sort of pimping out our, uh, our, our, our website. Yeah, they're going to be auctioned as it's, well, aren't they? Facebook page. Yeah, we well, are going to have say, an online aren't auction. auction. Aren't they up for auction? Yes, they, they are, are. going to be up for auction. We're just starting the online auction. Um, so keep an eye on the Oasis Partnership website page. Uh, sorry, Facebook page. Yes. Um, and it'll be all over there in the coming weeks. But... Uh, Amazing. Sorry, back to Simon. But yeah, they're fantastic. How did you? I mean, how did you get those guys to agree? Cause tell us about some of the well, subjects that you had. Uh, yeah, I photographed. Well, over the since I got myself sorted, I, yeah, like I said, uh, I wanted to go. I didn't want to hide away. I wanted to go back into doing something that I wanted to do, and I only had a camera left, so I hadn't got any, you know, current, you know, photographs of any. So I decided to go up to London uh, to a gig that I'd seen. And just so happens, like I was saying to these guys, you know, those sign, you know, things happen. You're right place, at the right time. A lot of photographers there. I was taking photos, very anxious, very nervous because it's first time I'd gone out. So, and I wasn't very confident what results I'd get. And out of the photographers, what the one guy from a record label called Heavenly Records came up and started speaking. He said, "Well, what do you do?" Who, um, long cut, long story. He, he said, "Send the photos over to have a look at." Absolutely loved them. And they were, it was a small band working in a, you know, working at a pub called Temples. And they then, uh, you know, so it's Heavenly Temples. I thought, you know, there must Great. be yeah, someone up there <laughs> looking after me. And so that happened. And that, you know, I, I became their official photographer Temples. And that kind of really, from there, people saw the photographs and things like that. And then, then I got asked. Go on, by, do a bit of name dropping. 
Uh, who have I phrased? <laughs> Grove, Liam Gallagher. Come on, guys, chip in, chip in. Who have you seen on there? De- I'm Debbie Harry. Yeah, Debbie Harry. Um, Blossoms. Blossoms. Lamb of Faith. Temple's playing the flame. Wow, Faith. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Professor Green. That's amazing. Um, Stone Roses. Amazing. Uh, just a couple, uh, yeah. A couple. Not very well known, Queens are they? Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. I think someone worked out the end. <laughs> I photographed most bands from the last, in the last six, six, seven years. In my portfolio, I've got pretty much everyone in there. The only one who are eluding me for portraits are Kasabian. Well, yeah, the only one I haven't got in my archive. So you're listening, Kasabian. You know what you have to do. Yeah, <laughs> really. well, let's get. Jack I have Jones. asked, Liberty and I was promised, but they didn't. They they never came back to me. Oh well, let's see if we can help with that. Jonathan's <laughs> listening in. He might be able to help with that. <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned right at the beginning, I have um, three other guests in the studio with me today. So you've heard from Simon, and you've certainly heard from Colin as well. Ben. Hello. Now, yours is a really, really moving story. And when we were sitting there, or we were standing there in the, in, in the House of Commons, listening to you talking, it moved people. It really moved people. In fact, I turned around to my son at one point during when all of you were talking. And I said to my son, do you understand why I do the work I do? And he just nodded slowly at me, as if that was the, that was the moment the penny dropped for him. So, Ben, what's your story? Well, I mean, look, there's lots of people with similar stories. If I'm honest with you out there, I can assure you there's a lot of similarities with drugs and alcohol. Um, everybody can kind of look for them, and, you know, it's not so much about the differences. It is about the similarities, and we can all relate. Um, but, you know, I was I was brought up in Wickham. I went to school in Wickham. Um, loving family, you know, not the stereotypes that people might associate with, you know, or there was this, you know, terrible upbringing and all of that. You know, I had an excellent upbringing. I went to a very good school. Um, and I then kind of went to college and that was when it kind of for me you know opened up my horizons of you know I was already drinking too much at that point but then kind of drugs. So how old were you when this when you sort of realized that there was an issue here? When I first realized there was a serious issue probably about 16, 17. Gosh that's really young. Probably about 17 to be fair. That's really young. Well I was arrested for drink driving at 17 and if that doesn't say you've got a problem. Yeah then, you know, nothing really does. Um, And that was just the tip of the iceberg, you know. I remember coming back and, you know, you can imagine my mum picked me up from the uh, police station and she wasn't best impressed. Mm. I can assure you of that. Um, Read the absolute riot act. Um, And and at that point, you think things can't get any worse. Um, Sadly, they they do, uh, not just for me, but for lots of different people, you know. They, when you think you've hit a bottom, you don't realise how far down you can go because all of a sudden you hit one point and you think, um, oh, you know, that's bad, that's terrible, and and then you kind of think it won't get any worse than this, and, and it always does because the thing with drugs and alcohol is it, it can always get worse. You know, when you think you've had enough, you haven't. You're just kind of getting started, and if you're using and drinking, then it's going to continue to get worse. It, w- it won't get better. But do you recognise that when you're going through that yourself? Absolutely not. Um, you know, that's the thing. It's kind of like a, it's like an illusion because you'll kind of look in the mirror and think, yeah, you know, I'm not doing too bad. Um, I mean, I, I was in hospitals and I was in rehabs and I remember looking around thinking, you know, I'm not as bad as that person over there. You know, I don't really need to be here. Do I really need to be here? You know, he's much worse than me. And the reality is you're all in a really, really bad place. Um, you know, the alcohol and drugs certainly lied to me. It lies to others. Um, and the aspect of, you know, you don't actually see 
you're the, usually the last person to see you know how bad it is I mean I know my family saw it before my friends saw it before so what um, did they say to you I mean how did they convey to you that they could see there was an issue Oh, blimey. Family meetings, sat down, being told, you know, how, you know, you need to stop doing this, please stop doing it, begging you to stop doing it, you know. It's not like um, they're not there, they're, they're very much there in the forefront, you know, chasing you around hospitals, police stations, picking you up here, there and everywhere, um, you know, and it's not like they're sat there doing nothing, but how can you control a fully grown adult? You can't watch them 24-7. Sure, sure. Uh, and that's the reality, you know. People have lives, people have jobs. Um, and trying to work around them with, with a pain of a, a, a drug addict, essentially. Um, you know... Um, chip in there is yeah. really, really important. You know, families, the impact that drugs and alcohol has on families mm. uh, from the individual and the, the, like I said, the impact it has on families is really important. We do, within One Recovery Bucks, there is a family service yes. um, that does focus on the families. And families often really, really struggle, um, but it, it has to be down to the individual, and you know they really need to make the change and, and to do something different. Um, ben was very fortunate that he made that decision himself. So uh, back, back to you, Ben. Yeah, you know, and that's it. Like like Colin just said, um, it does. Uh, drug and alcohol addiction doesn't just affect the individual. Um, it, you can guarantee it affects the families um, because you know, like I said, mine was there to support me. Not everybody has that support, mm-hmm. um, you know. But when they do have that support, it, it affects the family as much as the individual, if not more, because there's more people watching it. Yes. Yeah, so, how did it affect you, seeing how your family was affected, or didn't it? No. At, at the time, there were certainly moments when I acknowledged it. Um, you know, I could see the pain. Um, I could see the the, the general chaos that I was causing um, but but the, the lure the pull uh, of, of the drink and the drugs was mm-hmm. just it's hard to describe but it just overpowers you um, it becomes you can become completely tunnel visioned um, as much as it was painful to see them in pain you know it was much more important for me to escape reality mm-hmm. um, and, and it is selfish it's selfish right the way through from start to finish um, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but do you consider your family? Yeah, of course you consider your family. Uh, you consider your friends. But the drugs and alcohol w- was more important to me at the time. Right. Um, not that I would have openly told you that. Yes. Um, I didn't really acknowledge it. You know, I could, just didn't understand what was going on. Yes. Uh, there was a real lack of understanding going through it, you know, because you, you're thinking one thing and doing another. And then you're asking yourself, why am I doing this? Yes. You know, ending up in hospital. And why did you do it? <sighs> I don't think there's any answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wait, what? Baffling. Yeah. Because I think that's a question that people ask them. You know, is what? Well, how did you get into this? How did it all start? There's Why did so it get out of control? Into, yeah, so many yeah. yeah. Into addiction. Um, um, you don't sit there one day and go, you know what? I'm, I'm going to become an yeah. alcoholic or a drug addict. Yeah. It's, you sit there and you think, kind of like for me, I remember thinking, you know, I love drinking. I love taking drugs. Um, you know, I want to do that more often. And then it becomes, I want to do it all the time. And then it overtakes your life. And then by that point, it's all out of control. Um, you know, so you, you don't aspire to be, um, you know, ha- having drips come out of you um, in hospital. No, and, of course not. And then kind of wake up and think that, oh, that seems like a good idea. And it creeps up on you. you yeah. You, literally, you'll be like, you'll be the kind of the fun guy down the pub or, you know, the guy everyone wants to be around. And before you know it, it's crept up on you. And with me, I was 
I was pretty much chronic all the 24-7, you wow. know, like, mm-hmm. like I don't know about you guys, but it, with me, it was like, yeah. I didn't see the chat, you know, it like kind of was there, it was normal, and then it just suddenly wasn't normal, yeah. and that, it, it created, you can't see it, and like you were saying, it, it, you don't notice it, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's no, you know, with me, like you were saying, I didn't know anything about it, so I didn't know what an alcoholic was or what a drug addict was or anything. I'd seen them on the telly, but they was, that's not me, you know, that's not me. And then it was me, you know, it just crept. I think a lot of people don't understand, unless they're addicts, just how devious your mind can be. It's it's as if the thoughts are kind of always kind of trap trap you out and they're telling you things that, aren't necessarily the truth but because it's part of your brain you think that that's how it is so you've got a complete false perception of what's going on it's like um touching on what simon said it's like it's so so selfish um and i think ben you touched on it as well but i was always i'd never tell my family that i'd put the booze before them but i finish work and i go straight to the pub instead of seeing the kids. I mean, my kids were little at the time, mm-hmm. but I'd go to the pub before I saw them. Mm-hmm. So I'd spend two hours in a pub and then maybe half an hour with them. So s- stepping back now, of course I was putting booze before the kids. By by that very act, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was doing. But you could But in my mind, that. oh, I've had a tough day. I need I'm to gonna, relax. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go and chill out somewhere. And yeah, I need, I need this because I've had a tough... I mean, I was a labourer on a building site. It was physically tough. It wasn't mentally draining or anything. There was no reason for me to go to the pub before seeing my kids. And your brain kind of rationalises it and the, the brain of an addict, even now, it's like eight years down the track, even now my brain's still trying to trick me into thinking that, oh, it's the weekend you can go out drinking. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if you guys feel that, but and I, yeah. unless you've been through addiction, you think that your thoughts are your own, but I don't think an addict's brain it either works that way or well, I don't I, know. I was trying to explain it to someone like the other day because someone wanted me to hold a glass of whiskey to take to someone. I'm fine in pubs, I'm fine around, but I can't... For yeah. some reason, I can hold a pint and take over for whiskey. Yep. And I was saying to him, you know, you know, like vertigo, you know, like some people, when they're high up, are asking what vertigo. They have the urge to just walk off the edge, and that's why they get scared. Um, and with me, it's like that. Like, I know that it's going to kill me. I know it's going to... I fast-forward in my brain what's going to happen. And with me, I can't stop. Uh, but still there... I in my brain I know it's going to kill me I want to have to stick it down my neck or I want to take a pill or you know something like that and that's the crazy thing about it you know it's going to kill you you know what's going to happen you know what the result's going to be but in something inside you tells you no it's going to be different this mm. time and I'm, I'm going to, it's going to be alright and it never is you're like mm. three weeks later you're on a bender and you're like kind of like on death's door and it's like but then I don't know about you guys like I was used to be quite resilient so I'd come back Two days later, I feel perfectly again. What I go do after even what I'd been through, being into hospital, did you know the deal, whatever it is, gets into your brain. It tells you, yeah, I can go and do that again. Yeah, and then you come back, and nine times out of ten, you come back harder. Like every night, I'd give up every single night without fail. I'd give up drinking, then every morning, I'd wake up feeling rotten. About three o'clock, I'd start up again. And and that was three in the morning. No, no, no. Three, like, no, not that was <laughs> came a lot later. But um, yeah, I was there at three in the morning drinking, Gosh, waking up. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Uh, you'll find with people in addiction that you know it's certainly my belief that you know we are all wired very differently mm. to Joe Blogs out on the street. It's purely because you know actually when logic says stop, um, you know hospitals, police stations, you know the list is endless of, of what 
everybody involved in drugs and alcohol goes through, um, you know, that it would be logical to stop. And everybody outside looking in would be like, well, why won't they stop? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would say, well, they're not stopping because they're wired differently, so they need ongoing support. Uh, and that's where places like, you know, Mutual Aid, um, Oasis, they can all come in. And it's really important that I know all three of us have found something else to replace, you know, what we were doing. Uh, and you have to find something that works for you. Yes. Um, so some, what, so what are you doing? Uh, well, working full time now. Um, yeah. Certainly, um, I access um, outside help um, on a regular basis. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of ongoing. Um, can, can I chip in there? You're actually working full time for Oasis, aren't you? At the yes. Moment. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm working you know, full time for Oasis. Having been through the whole process, yes. um, you know, not all our staff are ex um, ex users, but. Uh, but, but quite a few of them are, and it's sort of having that lived experience. I was really going to say, it's, you, you, you understand. Yeah. You understand what people are going through when they come to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went through the service for the first time, um, and I have to emphasise the word first time because it was quite a few. Okay. And that, that's kind of the process for some people. It does. I don't want people to think you kind of come in and, and that's, that's this that's magic wand. Because it, it just... If only, if, only, if, yeah, if only it was that simple. It does not, not work like that. Time. You know, like I came in for the first time in December 2012, um, and then I, I was, I think, three times altogether, and specifically Oasis. You know, kind of going through that process, it, it's a long process. It does not happen overnight. You know, you're not going to come in. Your key worker's not going to fix you. You know, it's not... And you've got to want to do it, haven't you, absolutely. as well? You've got yeah. to want yeah, to yeah. do it. Otherwise, yeah. how can anyone yourself, help you if sure. you don't yeah. want to help yourself? Exactly. Precisely. You know, you've got to come in. You've got to want to attend your appointments. You've got to want to engage in groups. You've got to want to actually go outside, you know, back home. And the tools that you've picked up and the tools you've learned is then apply them in real life. Um, and that's, the, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, that, that's the trick, is can you pick up everything that you've learned, every, everything you've been told, the toolkit you've been given, can you apply that in your real life outside? Um, because when you start doing that, you know, life starts to pick up, life starts to progress, and then before you know it, you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I've kind of I've done, I've done this and I've done this yeah. and I've done that. Amazing. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden... Like I said, it's, it's very similar in, into the whole alcohol and drug thing. It creeps up on you. Yes. you know, the good parts of life, they creep up on you because you're doing the next right thing. Um, if you can look, focus on doing the next right thing, you know, and that's not always easy uh, for everybody. Um, you know, is If you're doing that bit by bit by bit, you'll look back and go, you know what? You know, things start happening. Um, you know, things start happening. You know, uh, uh, when I first came into all of this I was living in different places you know I've lived in so many different shared accommodations over the years I can't tell you I've moved in and out of my mum's so many times I've lost count um you know and thank like, goodness for mums eh well yeah exactly <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many times they pick you up off the floor I know um you know it's, it's phenomenal um and, and kind of like that then progresses you know because when I first you know came into recovery this time it was you know I was living at my mum's again and it was like the final straw, you know, it was quite obvious that you can't keep doing this over and over the same thing. One of the things she said to me, you know, this this time was, you know, right at the very start, that how is it going to be different this time? Mm. And for the first time ever, I said to her, I don't know. Mm. And it was the most powerful thing I'd ever said was because for the first time ever, I had no idea. I had yep. no comeback. I had no answer. I had tried everything that I thought I knew and I was done. And, and you have to get to that point, you know, because I couldn't think my way out of the problem. Um, I couldn't, you know, actually sit there and I'd tried to be clever with it. I'd tried to do things my way. And from the moment that I actually went, 
I don't know anymore. I don't know best. And that's when you knew you were ready yeah. for help? 100%. Okay. 100%. I mean, thank you for being so honest, all of you, really. It's been, a, I think, people listening, it's what you said at the beginning of this. It, we're not different. There are loads of people like us out there. Absolutely. So we've already heard from Simon and we've heard um, from Ben and from Lewis. And, but Lewis, we haven't heard your story yet. How, you know, what happened to you and how did you end up going to Oasis? I've always been a drinker. Um, I started off, well, I started off late, to be honest. I was, um, I was really good at judo and, and did a lot of judo. And then um, at 16, 17, discovered the other side of life and went out and started going out um, and doing, started raving um, and then the, the things that went with raving and then grew out of that and started drinking. Um, alcohol's always been a big part of the family. Um, so it kind of escalated from there. Um, I got to a point where I was hiding booze in, in the house from my partner at the time. Um, didn't think that was strange, going back to what we said about the, the mind of, of an addict. Um, I was hiding it, not because I've got a problem, because I want to drink and, and, and she just gets angry, so just anything for an easy life. So I carried on doing that for about six or seven years and, and it all came to a head. I lost, lost my job. We split up. Um, started living in my van. That must have been really awful. It was, but at the time, it's um, everyone else's fault. It's not. It's not your fault. And mm. and and then the booze is there as a as 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 like a safety blanket. As is like. Was it comforting? It was at that time. Yeah. Um, it it serves. I mean, I, I say to people left, right, and centre that you you've always there's always a million excuses to pick a drink up. So it's confidence. It started off as confidence with me. Um, because I was, I never had self confidence, so you'd start drinking as a crutch, um, and then, and then it assumes another roles, and then it assumes at that time it was a safety blanket where you've lost everything else, so it's like a friend, then it's all you've got left, and and you're kind of used to it, and and it's there, it's a constant. Um, I had a, I had a big breakdown. I was, I was, lost my job. I started doing a private job, and I was drawing money off that. Um, getting credit cards, found myself, eventually I was about 15, 16 grand in debt at that time, drawing money off a job that I wasn't working on, so they sacked me. I was in a right old pickle. Um, had a bit of a breakdown. Um, my brother tried How to, old were you about? This was, this was possibly, uh, it wasn't, it was probably 34, 35. Right. I mean, I was old enough to know better. Um, but that's not the point, no, is it? No, no, it really isn't. No, it really isn't. To, to be fair, a lot of our service users with, with alcohol problems do sort of um, come to us later mm-hmm. in life, yes. whereas sort of drug users tend to come a bit earlier. Right. Uh, based on the fact that it takes a long time to kind yeah. of um, yes. be addicted, but to, to, but to really take a, uh, some action yes. in relation to drinking behaviour. Yeah, lots of practice at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, sorry, because you said about the comfort thing yes. earlier. Um, you know, drinking drugs is fun at first. It's very comforting. Um, it gives you everything that you've got. You talked about the mm. confidence. You know, you didn't. I certainly didn't have confidence if I wasn't, you know, using it. Or I did, but it was very fake, very false. And so it, it gives you everything, and you believe that it's all real. Mm. Yeah. And so you're kind of going along your day, and you're feeling so much better. Yeah. You know, because you're. It's about changing the way that you feel. That's why you're doing it in the yes. first place. Yes. And then all of a sudden, it takes everything. You know, from start to finish, it will give you everything that you think you've got. And then it takes all of that back and then some. What an incredible way of putting it. Mm. A lot more 
everything you know from mm. start to finish you know up to your life mm. you know lots of people die through this I know yeah. lots of people that have died through it you know and so and, and and we all we all will do mm. um, you know that's a sad reality yeah yeah so Lewis so um, yeah, so I was in a right old pickle. Um, my brother tried to get me sectioned um, because I was cutting myself. Uh, I was living in the van. I wasn't looking after myself at all. I was in so much debt. Um, they they tried to section me, um, but they wouldn't do anything uh, because obviously I went in and I stunk of booze and they could clearly see that I was had an alcohol problem. So they said that they wouldn't do anything for me until I, until I stopped drinking. So somehow I ended up in um, Oasis. still don't know how. I still can't remember much about it at all I know that they offered me um, counselling which mm-hmm. I needed which was amazing um, they offered me acupuncture which we were talking about before yeah absolutely and the dolphin music that Simon was on about <laughs> I can remember going into these meetings and waking up on the floor where I literally got my arm on and fell off the chair asleep mm-hmm. um, and they put me through my detox which was amazing um, and that was the start of it really then I started um, I I can I just interject there? Yes. yes. Just I think. Do you remember the? Uh, you were kind of. It was your GP who referred you. Um, My GP you referred of, me to Oasis. Yeah. Two, two weeks away from death, weren't you? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. 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 I went to the doctors. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so they went. Uh, when I went to get sectioned, they obviously took my liver readings and things, and and the GP said that it was the highest that he's or the second highest that he's ever seen in his thirty odd years of service, um, and that the person that had the higher one. Had, had sadly died at age 40. So he, he put me at two months away from death had I not stopped. Wow. Um, but again, I was in such a state that didn't worry me. I, I just, just you know, it, it just, the, your head again just kind of distance it and takes the, the sting out of the punch. But went to Oasis, um, went through the detox, started running. Um, and as the sober days, kind of like the first anniversary, my first day of being sober, the first week, the first month was amazing. Um, after that, it kind of it never lost its sheen, but it became a little bit more normalised. So I started running, and then the buzz from the running took over, um, like the the distance mm. and the and with that, I got the distraction of keeping away from the demons. I got the the, the improved mental state. I got the um, it's an, an antidepressant. It just cleared my head. Um, I trained for the I did the London Marathon that year, four months after getting my detox, wow. um, which was amazing. Wow. That was um, that was a big deal. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah it was big. Um, and then started researching the benefits of exercise, certainly on the mental health, um, but more importantly for people in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and via LinkedIn, I started speaking to professionals all around the world, and there's a definite link in it. So I trained to become a personal trainer, so I could offer. Um, exercise therapy for people in recovery um, and luckily now I'm in a position where I've set a charity up I'm blessed to be working alongside Oasis and One Recovery Bucks and um, we're going to be helping their service users and also um, I'm going to be helping um, uh, women's refuge mm-hmm. I'm going to be working with Healthy Minds mm-hmm. um, because of the, the power of the group yes. and the, the improved confidence and self-esteem that exercise brings yes. um, so, although it was a horrendous journey and, and and I hurt so many people, I've come out of it a lot better, I think, than I would have been. Stronger. Had I, a lot stronger, a lot more compassionate. Um, I think it's made me a much better person. Um, 
it's also I, I spoke about this at the House of Commons. Um, I ended up. He just listened to that statement. I spoke about this at the House of Commons, <laughs> and that is pretty cool, isn't it? For someone that was two months away from death, living in his van. Indeed. But, uh, yeah. No, it was really cool, and, and obviously this radio show. Oh, um, of course, obviously, absolutely. there's another big high point. Um, <laughs> my kids, I, I, my my ex kind of let me back in the house when she saw that I was I was trying to make a go of it. Um, so she let me sleep on the sofa. I was sleeping on the sofa for about a year and a half. So my kids were, although they were young, they saw what was going on. Um, and this whole thing's taught me that, or taught them that no matter how bad things get, things can always be turned around. Yeah. Um, that there are organisations like Oasis and One Recovery Bucks that are there to help people. Um, and that, you know, the world isn't necessarily as scary as, as it is. And I think that's a really important lesson for that my kids have learned, and I'm, I'm grateful they've they've been able to learn that. And I'm really grateful that you've said it on here because one of the things I say to people, when you've reached rock bottom and you really, really do believe that there is nowhere else to go, yeah. then what harm is there in, for you to reach out and ask for help? Well, rock, rock bottom is a beautiful place to start. I can assure you of that. Um, you know, and if you if you're listening and you think you might have a problem. The reality is you probably have, yeah. you know, yeah, because you're yeah. going to be the last one to notice it. Yeah. Um, so if you're thinking you probably have, then everybody else probably knows you have. Um, and there are other people out you like there. Sorry, out, out, there are other people yeah. like you that, out yeah, there absolutely. that are suffering very similar things, thinking exactly the same things, you know, because you can be very isolated and think nobody else thinks like me. Nobody else uh, reacts like me. And there's lots and lots and lots think, of people yeah. out there. I think that's where, um, you know, there's services like um, Oasis, but obviously there's also mutual aid groups. Um, so some people might not really want to come into treatment, but they might want to be with people who are in similar situations themselves and get the support from, from others. So it's worth kind of checking out what is available. Um, it's also worth remembering, you know, these guys have done really well and um, yeah. have, have turned their lives around. Yes. And there's going to be many listeners who, who are really struggling. Um, but there is hope out there. Yeah. Um, can you can I, change your life around. Can I just add to that and think that um, I'd say that I was the last person in the world that thought I'd be sat here having this discussion with, with, with yourself. Um, I remember sitting in the back of, of Oasis in, in the help group and all these people coming up and saying that they're such and such days clean and they've managed and, and I'm thinking, no, that's all right for them, but they haven't got my problems or mm-hmm. that's all right for them, yes. but I'm not like that. And, and you try and... Again, your brain's trying to find reasons yes. why you'll fail. Yeah. Excuses, but yeah. I'm nothing special, and and mm. I really aren't anything mm. special. And I'm lucky enough to go eight years um, sober, and if I can do it, I'm, congratulations! There's, there's a there's there's a definite chance that anyone can do it. And the one bit of advice is just if you think you've got a problem, like Ben says, you probably have. Make things as easy as possible as you can for you, and seek help because there are people that want to help. And there are people that do help, and, and you've got three examples of that sat in front of you at the minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Absolutely. There's a lot of people out there in our kind of, well, who were in our, you know, our position where we were in, who are out there now in our posi- that position now. Yeah. And there's lots of people out there. I, I see them, and, you know, just this week I've been speaking to a young guy who's only 22 regarding, you know, the problem, you know, and it's kind of one of those things is like, I had a good innings, you know, like, you know, doing it, which wasn't fun by the last, you know, God, five, six years. But when you, you know, you've seen kids who are, you know, like 22 got a problem and they don't know where to go or what's going on in their head. I wouldn't have known at that age. 
Um, it's good to like kind of like you said, organisations like uh, Oasis and things like that out there, because like just from speaking, you know, to someone who has been through it, he kind of opened his mind up yes. and he saw, you know, kind of like the behaviour, you know, and the things that he was doing. And like you guys were saying, the the selfishness, isn't it? It's not about you know like I'm sharing this out, I'm sharing this. It's, it's your behaviour and how it's affecting all the people around you and all the people you love and. If they're starting to say to you, you know, you're, you've got a problem, and you know, my always, my kind of, you know, kind of attitude to it is when someone said to me that I would kind of go and drink more or go and do more mm. drugs or go and do that, but I kind of when you explain that to someone who's in that position now, they kind of in, they they kind of respect you and you've seen it. They list, start listening, but I think the main thing is like you've got this radio station. It's actually talking about I it and so. you know getting it out in the open. And once it's out in the open, people will more freely talk about the kind of things that are Absolutely. going on in their head. I think that's Absolutely. why I've, uh, I've been on four times. I think it Absolutely. has been helpful to be able to talk about it. You know, particularly in the local area. Um, and maybe there'll be a fifth time at some point in the future. There <laughs> definitely will. There definitely will. My head's already sort of, of coming up with ideas, which I'll discuss with you afterwards. But yes, so if you have one piece of advice for everybody, Simon. If you think you've got a problem, you probably, like they said, you probably have got a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to the stage where I was really at the end. But, you know, if you start going into it before it, you know, like really starts to ruin your life, then, you know do it and then, like I said it's there's no stigma against it anymore yeah, you know absolutely. like you know Don't I work I work in an industry where everyone thinks it's decadent to do this yeah. but I go in and say, don't, I don't drink, I don't do anything like that. And people respect it. Yeah. And the, there's that kind of stigma. Of, oh, no, you know, like, I'm not going to be one of the lads. And, you know, like, my life's ruined. You know, what am I going to do? It's my crutch, you know. Yes. And when you do start getting clear, you get your confidence back. You get everything. And it snowballs. And, you know, if in you carry right on... Direction. You're in, in, in the yes. right direction. As well, not fake confidence. No, it's real confidence. Real confidence yeah. and in the right direction. And you both, are, you know, Ben, Lewis, you both agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's a case of don't sit there on your own and think that you can do it because the chances are you probably would have done that by now. You know, so go out there, seek help. You know, don't let the pride and ego kill you. That's the issue, isn't um, it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Admitting to it and yeah, going to get that help. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if you think you might have, go, go and ask Go and ask the question. Absolutely. You know, kind of nobody... I mean, everybody in my life now knows about my drug and alcohol issues in the past. Um, there's, for me, no taboo. Um, you know, I, I couldn't care if there was. Um, you know, it just becomes part of your life story. Everybody's yes. got a story. Absolutely. Um, you know, everybody's got their own problems. Absolutely. We're not special. Uh, you know, we're not unique, you know, in Absolutely. that aspect. Everybody's got a story behind them. Um, you know, just kind of go out there and seek the help. Because one thing you can guarantee is that if you carry on the way that it is going, you know, with alcohol and drugs, it only do- it only gets worse. Indeed. And, Lewis, to use your words, you were saying... You, you you know, you have these demons in your life. Yeah. And you conquered it by finding positive things well, to do. Well, it's, I, I, don't, I don't want to get too complacent and say that I've conquered it. It's, it's definitely work in progress. And looking back, I can't believe um, that it's been eight years. Um, but to go back to, to your bit of advice, um, asking if I've gotten a bit of advice, sorry. Um, I've blessed enough to have helped six people out of six with my um, charity stay off and get off booze and drugs. And the one bit of advice I say to them is is kind of make it as easy as possible for you and, and do things bite-sized. Because a lot of people say, I'm giving this up, I'm giving that up, I'm giving that it's up. It's one day at a time. And then all of a sudden yeah. it becomes too overwhelming. Yes. I always said to myself, 
it's not that I'm never going to drink again. It's that I'm not going to drink today. Mm. Bite-sized pieces. Yeah. Lewis, did you want to say the name of your charity and your yes, website? Yes. Um, so I, I'm currently um, running Phoenix Lifestyle Innovations, um, and we're on uh, phoenixlifestyleinnovations.com. Um, and, yeah. We use physical health to help mental health. Brilliant. Things. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Can I just say a huge big thank you, um, Simon, Ben, Lewis, and as always, Colin, for coming in. Well, and thank the lads, really. It's yeah, and just talking, program, telling us your stories, being so honest and being so open and just... You know, just just telling us what what happened with you and where you are now, and congratulations on your success. I think you're amazing, and that's the reason I wanted you to come in when I'd heard your stories Thank and you. to share those stories. You are amazing, um, and keep going and keep Thank going and much. keep being that amazing example for people as well. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you all for coming in. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you here. Thank you for being, as I said, so honest and sharing your stories. Um, I'm, I hope you've enjoyed yourselves as well. Um, thank you to everyone listening out there. Thank you for your company, and I look forward to it again next week. So you've been listening to Mimi Harker. This is Mimi Meets, and you've been listening on Wickham Sound. Nice one. Cool, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast from Wickham Sound. To find out more, head to wickhamsound.org.uk.